Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Open to Matthew chapter 7, as we are actually, I believe next week we will close up the Sermon on the Mount, and this series has been entitled, How to Live in a Broken World. And there is no doubt that our world is broken, is there not? But isn't it true that the internet can be a wonderful thing? It can be bad. I know there are potholes, just like every road in South Carolina has got some. We There are potholes to the internet, and there are places you can get lost in that you don't want to go. But then you can find some amazing things on there. And whether it be um, we're preparing for a job interview or whether we're trying to figure out how to spell a word or what a word means. Uh, I was blessed this week because as I read the passage, I remembered a song that I used to sing as a child. And I didn't remember exactly where I saw it until I Googled it. And some of you, if you have some age on you, you will remember it. But most of you will probably think I'm crazy. But I remember seeing this on TV as a child and it had a simple course about a judge. And my parents told me I would walk around the house singing it as a young child. It's what they call a novelty song that was written in 1968 by a comedian named Pig Meat Markham. Anybody know Pig Meat? You may not know Pig Meat, but you may remember the song. The name of the song was Here Comes the Judge. Remember Here Comes the Judge? The song originated as a part of his comedy routine. And they would say, hey, yeah, here come the judge. And then that was part of his shtick, which made a mockery of the formal courtroom setting back then. But due to its beat and its singing style, some of you younger guys may not believe this, but some attribute this song to the birth of hip hop. I don't see it, but I'm just telling you what people say. But after that song became popular, there was a television show, some of you may remember, called Laugh-In, okay? Uh, it was by Rowan and Martin. Am I over everybody's head right now? I am, okay. Well, trust me, it gets to a point. Well, the point is, is that there was a skit where Sammy Davis Jr. would come out. Google all these names when it's over and you might find them. Uh, but Sammy Davis Jr. would come out and he would sing, Here come to judge, here come to judge, here come to judge. And so, as I was preparing for this message, I'm telling you, I think about crazy things. You ought to see what goes on in my mind. Uh, and, and the bad thing is, you're hearing the best of it right now. But as I, as I, as I read this passage, that song just kind of burned in my brain, so I thought I'd want to waste a few minutes and share it with you. And so, if you ever have a chance to go Google, Here Come the Judge, then you will be able to see it. But the chorus went, here comes the judge, here comes the judge, everybody knows that he is the judge. Well, the truth is that judgment is a discipline that everyone must exercise. All of us use judgment. You use judgment coming here today. For people who make positive choices, what do we say? They have good judgment. Very good. And for those that make poor choices, we have, say they have very poor. There you go. You got it. Well, the truth of the matter is that we make judgments every day. A parent will make a judgment to tell the child not to play in a street. 
A teacher will tell a student to study and listen and behave. A boss will tell their employees to do better according to the job performance they observe. Or all of us judge the type of people we want to associate with. And sometimes, quite honestly, kids, your parents have to help you with that. But we all make judgments. We all make a judgment of who we want to be, who we want to hang around with. Some of you made a judgment call about what you wanted to wear today. And by the way, y'all look good, so you did. Yeah, that was a good judgment. But some of you may make poor judgments. I don't know. But judgment is not an evil word that people have made it out to be in today's culture. In today's passage, Jesus teaches you and I the correct way to judge, the incorrect way to judge, and ultimately who the ultimate judge really is. So let's dive into our scripture this morning. The first thing that we see is that judgment begins with ourselves. Now, now understand, this is coming at the tail end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, so he is setting people straight before he finishes his lesson. He's setting you and I straight, and he says, point blank, in Matthew 7, verse 1, do not judge others, or you will not And you will not be judged. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Boy, there are people that love to get on a stump and shout this verse. They don't want you telling them what to do because you're not their judge. You shouldn't judge them. That is not what Jesus is saying here. That is not the purpose of this passage. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he is exposing the fake judgments of the religious of that day. Jesus is not saying that we should not judge others in order to help them. He is saying, do not judge others like you're better than them. You know that person that thinks they're better than everybody else? If it were to rain hard, they would drown because their nose is so high up in the air. And there are some people that have appointed themselves the spiritual leader of everybody. This is the way you should look in church. This is the way you should dress in church. This is the way you should talk in church. This is the way you should raise your kids. This is the way you should go to school. This is the way you should drive a car. This is the way you should do this. This is the way you should do, you should do that. And they just they constantly consider themselves as the ultimate source of that. These religious leaders in Jesus' day were guilty of judging others. They were guilty of judging others because, quite honestly, they felt like they were better than them. They felt like their righteous acts and living made them better because they were doing what those they were judging were not doing. You can always feel better about yourself, can't you, if you see somebody not doing what you're doing. Now, I'll I'll give you an example. For example, maybe you're driving down the road and you're obeying the speed limit. And a car comes zooming by you. Whoosh! And then you go on down the road and you see him pulled over by a cop. Do you enjoy jet? Do you enjoy that? You sinners. I got to admit, I say, praise the Lord. Thank you. Because he's a judge, not me. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we look people like we are better than them, then this is exactly who Jesus is talking about. You see, that spirit is still alive today. People, you are judging and are judged for appearances, the clothes we wear, the money we have or do not have, the color of our skin. People are judged because of their family history, the color of their skin, and that is not 
what Jesus is telling us we ought to be judging. We're emphasizing the wrong things. People are judgmental of the political affiliation they have. Now, I am not going to get into the muck and the mire of politics, but you know and I know that one side judges the other side, and the other side judges that side, and then other sides judge everybody. Now, we have some people in here that are going to be left, right, middle, I don't know what all those things are. But I know this, is that I know that if we look at somebody else, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of how much money they have in the bank or what they have on their back, if we look at them and think that we're a little bit better than themselves, this is who Jesus is targeting. Oh, but we wouldn't be brazen enough to think that we're better than somebody else. We would never say that, especially us Sunday morning folks. Well, we are here to praise the Lord, but you know what? We can find ourselves slipping into that in just a heartbeat, can't we? In today's culture, everyone is so easily offended and quick to point out the faults in others while giving no consideration of their own. Did your, did your mom ever teach you that if you're pointing your finger at somebody, there's what? Three pointing back at you. So many people would rather call out somebody else for what they're doing wrong rather than own the stuff that they do. For example, there was an athlete that began dating this beautiful A-list movie star. This athlete had been burned before, so he hired a private investigator to look into this drop-dead gorgeous girl that he wanted to date. I got these guys' attention right now. I'm glad. He wanted to know everything about her. Guys, she was, she was gorgeous. And he wanted to know everything about her, so he hired this private eye. And so a couple weeks later, the private eye came back and gave him the report. And so he's like, oh boy, I can't wait to rip into this. So he ripped into that report, and he started reading, and it said, this woman checks out. She's exactly who she says she is. She was raised in a good home. She has a good credit score. She has good finances. All of her relationships that ended, ended on a good note. But there's only one problem. She's been seen with an athlete who has less than a stellar reputation. Do you get it? He was so worried about her, he didn't pay any attention to his own life. And folks, I think that's the way it is sometimes. We focus so much on other people that we don't take time to look at ourselves. So listen to me, please. Please listen to this. If you don't hear anything else that I've said about pig meat Martin, Markham, and all these other people, that doesn't matter. What matters here is this. It is time to quit pointing the finger at the mistakes and the shortcomings of others. It's time for you and I to take inventory of our own issues. And having a just others first outlook makes it hard to love others in this world. In other words, if all we're doing is picking out everybody else's faults, we're not fixing this broken world. We're part of the problem. So Jesus, again, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Folks, Jesus did not forbid you and I from using our discretion when viewing others. We have to make judgments. Parents, do you make judgment calls for your kids when they can't make them on their own? Absolutely. Sometimes as my parents got older, I had to make judgment calls for them because they quite honestly couldn't make those judgment calls. Sometimes we need help. A judgment call may be as simple as what 
am I going to eat after church? Or which way am I going to go home after church? As a Christian, you and I must make a judgment call when encountering others to determine what God may want you and I to do in response to meeting them. Let me put it another simple way. Look, when we judge others, it is not to judge them to make ourselves look better. When we judge others, it is for God to show us how we can help them. That's the type of judgment God calls His children to do. You see, check this out. You will never have a heart for God's children if all you do is judge them as less than yourself. You can take that to the bank. You will never have a heart for God's children if all you do is is judge them as less than yourself. If you see that guy on the street as a bum, you'll always see him as a bum. If you see that person in your family as a failure, you'll always see them as a failure. If you look at yourself in the mirror and judge yourself harshly, that's always going to be the way you see yourself. Folks, when we look at others, it is not to make ourselves feel better. It is for God to show us how we can help them. It says in Matthew 7, 2, about everyone is being judged. All of you, all of us are being judged. It says, for you will be treated... Or other translations say judge. For you will be treated as you treat others or judge others. The standard or the measurement by which you use in judging is the standard or measurement by which you will be judged. I think to understand this passage, I want to go to a parallel passage that was written about the same account by Luke in his gospel. If you want to turn there, you can or if you can just listen. It's in Luke chapter 6. Verses 37 and 38. And this is what it says. It says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gifts will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make more room, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be the amount that you get back. The popular meaning of this passage is to not judge anyone, period. Let them be great. Let them do what they want to do, regardless of the consequences to themselves. But this is not what Jesus is teaching. We will be accountable for our actions and our attitudes. Our treatment of others and our judgment of others. But when we judge people, there's a healthy way to do this. What's the healthiest way to judge people? I would say two things. Here's two things. It's not even my notes, so take it for what it's worth. When judging people, there are two things. You better talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. And the second thing that you need to do is that when you speak to them, earn the right to be heard. Also, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5, it says that we must own our sin before we point out the sins of others. We need to own our sins before we point out the sins of others. It says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? 
Hypocrite. First get the log out of your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Folks, do you find it easy to magnify the faults of others while excusing yours? Here's the crazy thing. And you think about it for yourself. Everybody check this out. The things that people do that aggravate you the most, like nails on a chalkboard, those things that drive you crazy that people do, how many of those things are the things that you have a problem with yourself? Most of the time, the things that drive us crazy are the things that we have issues with on our own. So what we see here is that you cannot show someone their need for change and trust in Jesus if you are unwilling to do the same. You cannot point out someone else's problems when you are unwilling to confess or repent from yours. We've got to own our stuff. We've got to take blame. We have to be real. If you are going to witness to somebody, don't approach them as you are perfect. Approach them as you are just like them. Somebody, I, somebody trying to love God the best they can. I, I hope that as a pastor, I don't put off a front that I'm better than you because I am not. God has blessed me to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, to lead, and I am, that is, I don't deserve it, but for some reason, God says, I'm gonna give you this opportunity. For some reason, y'all give me the opportunity to speak truth into your life and to walk alongside your life, but I am a man just like some of you are. Donna is a full-fledged woman, just like some of you are. We put on our pants the same way. We have the same struggles. And so I hope that when I present myself, and I hope that when you present yourself, it's not as somebody's better than, but someone is real. It's important to be real. Let me give you this illustration. There was a zoo that was hitting some hard times financially, and so their prize gorilla died. But they were getting ready to get their big run of the season of the summer where people were bringing their kids. And so they said, we've got to do something because if, if the gorilla's not here, people are just not going to come. So somebody had a great idea. They said, you know what? Let's hire somebody to wear a gorilla suit. And so they hired a guy to wear the, the gorilla, gorilla suit. And then he tried to act like a gorilla and all these kind of things, but he just wasn't doing well. And so one day he was trying to act like a gorilla and he lost his balance. And all of a sudden, ah, boom, he fell into the lion's den. And he was scared because here he was, just the guy that had fallen into the lion's den. And he started going crazy. He started screaming. And the lion said, hey, buddy, keep it down. If you keep talking, they're going to they're gonna get wise to what's going on here. Because he was dressed up like a lion, too. People were paying for animals, but they were getting guys dressed up. Folks, when you say that you are a Christian, don't be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Don't be something you're not. I would, it's like Jesus talks about, well, you know, a lukewarm life. If you are here today and you are not sure about the Christian life and you have still got some oats to sow, my friend, believe it or not, I'm going to tell you, go sow those oats. Because you are going to be miserable walking the fence. But if you are contemplating coming to Christ, today is today to be, as Dabo says, all in. The most miserable person you will find is a Christian who tries to live a carnal, 
physical selfish lifestyle because they know it's not right. So they have just enough guilt to stay miserable and not enough grace to be delivered. People will not receive the truth from a hateful, insincere, hypocritical person. I'm sure everyone in here has that family member, that friend, or that acquaintance, or that social media contact. They hadn't held a job down in their whole life, but yet they want to give you career advice. Come on. How serious do you take that? I've had people tell me, and I'm sure you have too. I remember one gentleman... He told my wife and I that he was the most spiritual person in the world. He told us what church he went to. He told us how many times he went to church. And he was one of the most ruthless, sinful, terrible men we have ever met. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. The message is clearer today than it has ever been. People must repent from their sins. Don't try to manage sin. There is nothing in the Bible about sin management. You have to deal with it. It says, why, why in the world do we have to deal with it? It says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, the promise to return, that is, and to judge, and those that are His children will go to heaven, and those who are not will go to hell. He says that He's not being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. My friend, if you have another breath in your lung, then you have been given a gift that if you need to repent of your sins, now is the time, because one day that breath will be gone. And last but not least, I would say the the only standard that matters here to where we, what we are judged to, the only standard that matters is God's judgment. Our opinions, our political correctness, our envy, our hate, our selfishness will be judged and destroyed by the very fires of hell. I'm telling you, when this world's end, when the world ends, CNN's studio will be leveled. Fox's studio will be leveled. The New York Times will be leveled. All of these places where you go, the Facebook servers will be dead. There will be no selfies in hell, folks. (laughs) I, I didn't even have that in my nose. That's pretty good, right? Probably not. But the thing is, is that only God's Word matters in judgment. Jesus delivers what you need to meet the judgment and forgiveness, which is grace and mercy. You see, the judgments that we form fulfill the greatest commandment of loving God and loving others. Our judgments should be used to help people come closer to Christ, not give them a reason to not follow Christ. Folks, if you are guilty of hypocritical judgment in your life, wipe it out. Or as Barney says, nip it. Nip it in the bud. There must be a balance of truth and love when judging others. It's no secret. You can watch TV today. Anybody that is involved in a lifestyle that is not according to biblical standards, they will say, well, you just need to love me because God is a God of love. 
And then you have other people on the other side of the spectrum that say, well, God's word says it, that settles it, you need to get right or get left. There's got to be a balance between those two, folks. Truth without love can be oppressive. If all you do is focus on the truth without regard of the person, that can be oppressive and that can be abusive. But yet, at the same time, if you are all about love and not about truth, and you say, it's okay, do what you want to do. It's okay, God, God will love you in the end, and you can just keep doing what you want to do. That's enabling them. And that's lying to them. And that will be a rude awakening one day to them. But we don't need to go to them and hate and love and say, what you're doing is wrong, and this is what the Bible says. They know it. They're doing it. Maybe it takes some love. Maybe it takes a relationship to build a bridge. Maybe it's something as simple as going out and getting them a coffee. Maybe it's something as simple as mailing them or sending them a message to say, Hey, I'm praying for you. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. There must be a balance between truth and judging. And God's holiness gives us the right, or excuse me, God's holiness gives him the right to set the standard of judgment. Because I'm going to tell you, when you purchase a vehicle, in the glove box, usually there is what they call an owner's manual. If you want to find out where the tire is, if you want to find out how to put oil in, it's called an owner's manual. They're not trying to be closed-minded, folks. They're not telling you how to drive your car and live your life, but they're telling you, look, look, if you want to operate your car the way we designed it, then you need to follow this book. God's done the same thing. Look, you live your life the way you want to live, but at the end of the day, I wrote the manual right here. And if you want to live your life the way I have created it, then you should live by this. This is the truth. This is the standard. Drive it like you want to, but this is what you were made for. Folks, God made you. God loves you. And his word gives you a standard to live by. There are a lot of people that don't like the fact that God tells them what to do. That reminds me of a story about a baseball icon. You ever heard of Babe Ruth? Hopefully you all heard of Babe Ruth. He was playing the New York or with the New York Yankees and there was a game and there was another referee named Babe Pinelli. I guess Babe was the name that you gave guys back then. And so through the ball, through the ball, through the ball, finally the last ball, the Pinelli the umpire said, strike! And Babe Ruth didn't agree with him. And he told the umpire, he told Babe Pinelli, he said, Hey man, there are 40,000 people in these stands that saw that pitch, and they agree with me that that was a ball, not a strike. Well, Babe Pinelli said, You know what? With the straightest face and the calmest demeanor, he said, Maybe so, but mine is the only opinion that counts. We all will find that out one day with God. Last verse, verse 6 says, Judge others accordingly. Folks, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Some translations say, Don't give the sacred to dogs. Back in, in Jesus' day, dogs were seen as a low of the low. That was a huge insult. He says, Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls 
and then turn and attack on you. Folks, if we are going to witness to others and if we are going to judge others for the purpose of helping them find the Lord and grow in their faith, we need to do so in a loving way. Jesus is not telling us to not witness to unholy people. He is telling us to witness to them, but there is at some point where you need to count, cut the ties, count the losses. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, look, if you keep giving and giving to somebody that is hostile and does not want to hear it, then you have to give them to God and let God work on them. Because if you are talking with somebody about Jesus and you start to argue, then the conversation is over and you have burned that bridge. But we should never stop giving God's word to unbelievers. And finally, use your judgment of others to honor God, to love them, and to help them. It is my prayer for you and a prayer for myself that we would own our sin. That you would receive the forgiveness and the repentance of your sin. And that you would use your judgment to honor God and love others. You see, the difference between godly judgment and hypocritical judgment begins and ends with you being active, living, and growing in your relationship with God. So today, in this invitation, my prayer for you is to quit judging others, but start with yourself. Where are you with God today? What sins do you need to be forgiven? Where do you need to repent? Where do you need help? From the Lord. If you need something today and you want to talk with me about it, I'll be up front. The altars are open. You can bring somebody and pray with them. Or if you want to join the church, whatever it may be, this invitation is time to act. And you know me, I don't have long invitations. I'm not going to beg and plead you to come. If the Spirit is moving in your life, come. If He's not, it's on you. Let's pray. Stand. God, thank you so much for this message. Most of all, thank you for your word that teaches us that we are not to be haughty and prideful and hypocritical in our judgment of others, but it starts with ourselves. That there's anyone here today that needs that forgiveness, that needs to repent, that needs that acceptance because they are tired of being judged by others. Or maybe today, the day they find salvation. Maybe someone needs prayer or if someone wants to join the church, whatever their decision may be, this is the time for you to work, God. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.